0: and dog people. This is It's Training Cats and Dogs, the show for people with both cats and dogs who want peace in their home and peace between their animals. I'm Naomi Rotenberg, your source of practical strategies for keeping everyone in your multi-species household safe and safe. Today's episode is a deep dive on reinforcement, specifically things to think about when you're struggling to find anything that your pet is truly interested in enough to see it as reinforcement. Because of course, a reinforcer is only reinforcing if the animal is willing to do a behavior to get access to it. Today, we're going to focus on food and we'll talk about non-food reinforcement in another episode. So in my mind, there are two kinds of non-reinforcing food reinforcement events. The first is when you provide your pet with access to reinforcement and they say meh, and uh, that's the technical term. (laughs) They could take it or leave it and engagement with the reinforcement is slow or sporadic. The second is when your offering produces a hell no response from your animal and you observe body language that signals active disengagement from the reinforcement, often if we're talking about food because of disgust. How do we deal with these two scenarios? Well, let's start with the second one first, because at first glance, this second situation is kind of a no-brainer. If you are seeing intense and purposeful disengagement from your offered food reinforcement, it's not reinforcing. So in the words of Regina George, stop trying to make fetch happen, because it isn't going to happen. Abandon the ship, take a break, and remove that reinforcement option from your toolbox for that animal for the time being. But don't necessarily throw it out completely forever and ever, because there is some stuff that you can try which we'll talk about in a little bit. So that first situation, that meh situation, is very common, especially with cats. The first question you might have is how do you know if a reinforcement is meh? Well, Usually the animal's response to your cue will be slower than baseline, and they won't move quickly to access the reinforcement, or if they do move quickly to it, they might abandon it. Today, I had a few minutes while dinner was cooking to train with my cat, Rio, and I offered him pieces of chicken jerky, which, by the way, my dog Ori was going absolutely apeshit over. But Rio sniffed at it very delicately while he was on his perch, but he never actually ate any. (laughs) And after three reps, he jumped down and promptly walked away. Needless to say, I didn't try again. Why am I dedicating a whole episode to food reinforcement? If the animal doesn't want to work for food, then you should just find something else to use as reinforcement. Well, sure, but if you don't have food in your reinforcement arsenal, your life gets a lot harder. So when you're trying to install a new behavior, reinforcement using food is usually the easiest thing to do. You're working in low distraction environments, so you can't really use a distraction as reinforcement. You can get multiple reps in quickly, and food is convenient. So most of the time it is worth the effort to work through this whole like finding reliable food reinforcement project, even if your animal is a bit reluctant at this point. So what can we do to make a meh reinforcer into a hell's yeah reinforcer? Well, you can adjust some motivating operations. This is an ABA term that describes the aspects of the environment or the animal's experience that change the value of the reinforcement. So basically it's the stuff that you do that makes the reinforcement more valuable for the animal. Now, let's get the elephant in the room out of the way. Because the first reinforcer that comes to most people's mind is food, often people's brains jump to calorie restriction as one way of increasing the value of food during training. Now, this can turn into a big welfare concern very quickly. It's not okay to subject an animal to food or water deprivation to increase their motivation to participate in training sessions. And I will link to a paper from the Applied Animal Behavior Science Journal that discusses this in depth. It is not okay to keep your animal underweight to make them more motivated to eat during training. Those are kind of the more intense versions of this. But I also don't think that it's okay to reserve all of an animal's food for training because this makes their entire daily caloric intake contingent on performing correct behaviors as we define. And every captive animal, and yes, our pets are captive animals, deserve to be able to get the right amount of nutrition to maintain a healthy weight and they deserve to get that in a way that doesn't have qualifications or a high barrier to entry. Okay, so intensive, highly controlled food deprivation, not really an option. But does that mean that we can't use that concept at all? Well, not really. Having said all of that, if you get automatic deliveries of pizza for breakfast, lunch, and dinner, and there's always some in the freezer just in case you run out, you're very unlikely to call up a pizza place in order to order some more pizza. And in the same way... If an animal is free fed or given a meal right before a training session, you're likely to see less motivation to work for food treats during that training session so what can you do about this to increase your animal's food motivation with some control over their caloric intake it's okay to switch your cat to eating small meals throughout the day instead of being free fed and maybe trying to time a few of your training sessions to occur before a meal and not right afterwards. Now outside of controlling calories, there are many other ways to increase the value of food treats. Some of them have to do with the food itself. So you can adjust the temperature of the food. Is it frozen? Is it refrigerated? Is it room temperature versus the temperature of perhaps a prey animal, body heat? Another one is consistency of the food. Is it wet or dry? Is it chunky or smooth? Is it slimy versus chalky? And going along with both temperature and consistency is smell. The warmer and wetter a food treat is, the more likely it is to be stinky. And stinkiness is often something that animals care a lot about. And lastly, the amount or the size of the treat itself. So especially when you're talking about dry treats, Bigger is not always better. Sometimes it takes more effort to eat a larger treat, it takes longer, and it might not be ideal for a training scenario. Now, outside of adjusting the food itself, other adjustments that you can make to increase the value of your food reinforcement might be a little less obvious. So, how is the food being delivered? Is it being tossed on the ground? Is it given straight to the animal's mouth from your hand? Are they taking it from a long spoon? Can the animal easily see the food however it's presented? Is it easy for them to access it? Is it being delivered unpredictably? Do they have to hunt for the food each time you offer it to them? All of these factors might affect how motivated they are to participate in the eating behavior within a training session. And if your reinforcement strategies aren't consistent, the value of the reinforcement event decreases. So make sure that your markers are clear and that they always lead to the same type of food delivery in a relatively predictable location. Okay, so we've got the food itself, how it's being delivered, and lastly, what is the training environment like? If an animal is stressed out by the context that they are being asked to eat in, they are less likely to be interested in the food. So, have you provided your animal with the choice to leave the training area with no repercussions? Because often animals will be more likely to stay and be invested in a situation when they know that they are free to leave? Also, are there distractions or competing reinforcers present? If there are low-level distractions present in the training area, sometimes it's best to let your animal investigate those distractions, if it's safe, to satisfy their curiosity and to make it more likely that they can then focus on the training. Do they trust the environment? So are they unsure about what's going to happen, that something might appear, or what's expected of them? You need to make sure that that the animal is comfortable in the space and with any props or training objects that are present before you try to teach them anything new. And lastly, do they trust you? Are you unpredictable? Are they not sure what you're gonna do next? Maybe you and that animal have had confrontations around food in the past. Maybe you've been confusing or inconsistent with food rewards. And if that's true, you might see a lack of engagement in a food-based reinforcement strategy because they're not sure what you're going to behave like. All right. That's a lot of questions, a lot of things to consider. Thanks, Naomi. Okay. (laughs) Those are all the things that could be making my pet, quote unquote, less food motivated. Fantastic. Well, what do I do about it? Huh, wonderful question. My initial thought is kind of a fun one, which is to try some no pressure food tests. I come from a research background, So I like to do this slightly scientifically. Before a meal, in a space where you know your animal feels comfortable, like you've seen them resting there of their own accord, try offering small amounts of a few different food treats that differ from each other on only one or two variables. So, for example, you can try offering three chicken-based treats. Dehydrated single ingredient, small pieces of plain boiled chicken, and maybe chicken jerky. They're all the same protein and are offered in discrete pieces. They're not a wet treat. And you can try offering them in small dishes, kind of all at the same time. Then take a step back and just watch your pet. See which one they gravitate towards first. Are there any of them that they actually eat? Are there some that they definitively are saying, nope, that doesn't interest me. And you can do many of these small trials to identify which are their preferred foods. And so once you've identified some foods that your pet will at least ingest, even if it's not exceedingly enthusiastically, you can then move on to experimenting with the food delivery options. Try offering some of the preferred foods on a spoon versus from your hand. Try offering it if you're standing versus sitting. Try tossing it or maybe placing it in front of them on the ground. Importantly, what you wanna observe here is how quickly your animal starts to move towards the food reward when you present it. And note the delivery options that yield the quickest response time. It's really bonus points if they actually eat the food. So once you've identified some preferred food options and preferred delivery options, you can actually teach your pet to put it all together and to readily eat during training. Now, here's one way to do it. Watch your pet over the course of the day and try to notice what non-food related events they get really peppy for. Maybe it's playing with a toy, maybe it's jumping up on stuff, maybe it's ripping things up, maybe it's getting pets from you or hearing your voice or even just sitting next to you. Take note of those things even if it doesn't seem like something that belongs in a typical training session. What do you do with this information? Well, you can see if maybe you can make access to that exciting activity contingent on eating. So what does that mean? You're going to present one of the preferred foods from your list via one of the preferred deliveries that you've identified as at least slightly interesting. And if your pet engages with the food at all, not even necessarily eating it, immediately give them access to the super fun and non-food-related activity that you've identified. So if they eat or if they engage with the food, they get to do the awesome fun thing. And basically what you're doing is conditioning the eating behavior and the eating from that particular delivery that's being reinforced by the really exciting activity that you have noticed that they really enjoy. Don't do a bunch of reps of this at one time. Aim for short and sweet sessions, only one to three reps each, spread out over the course of the day. You want this to be a very exciting event. And what you're looking for is increasingly more enthusiastic eating behaviors before you then present the fun things. So you're basically shaping a enthusiastic food eating response. And pretty soon you will have a viable food-based reinforcement strategy. Yay! Which is what we all want. All right, so lots of things to think about and a pretty straightforward procedure to follow. So here's your action item to do. You can do this today. In the show notes, I have put a link to my big list of foods that should hopefully give you a good starting point to plan out some of your food preference tests look through the list and check off the ones that you want to try with your pets. And you can narrow them down a little bit based on what you already know that they have tried and maybe already said, no, I'm not that into it. And over the next few days, see which foods come out on top during your preference tests. And extra bonus points if you take video of these sessions and tag me in them on Instagram at Praiseworthy Pets. I would love to see how things are going. I can't wait to see how your pets eating their progress. And remember, reinforcement is important, but it isn't nearly everything you have in your reinforcement arsenal. Stay tuned for more deep dives into reinforcement for those pets that are hard to reinforce. See you next week.